like I go on to say a little bit later on, you, you kind of have to make your decisions and subsequently your actions echo the sentiments of your intent. You have to carry out that intent. You have to figure out a way to objectively recognize, okay, this is my intent. My intent in and of itself, although great, doesn't matter as much as the intent in action, which would be like the fulfilling of that intent. Interesting stuff there. At least I think. Definitely something to be mindful of. What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 207 of the Spun Today podcast, and it is a free writing session episode. So in this episode, I'll be sharing my writing stats specifically for February, March, and April 2022. I'll be sharing a writing tip that I picked up along the way, and I tell you about what I've been reading. I also read and reflect on a free writing piece of mine, which can be found amongst all my free writing pieces at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. Stick around for all that good stuff. But first, I want you to listen to a quick and free way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast, which I'd really, really appreciate. Your listenership, your readership, your support helps keep all this going. And right after I tell you about the very quick way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast, we'll be jumping right into the episode. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. My writing stats, starting off with February of 2022, which by the way, I look back historically year over year and I always do well in February, but not just percentage wise, but just based on the nominal, the raw numbers, you know, not, not factoring the fact that February just has 28 days. So technically as a percentage, I write more within that month. It's not just that the actual raw numbers is always higher for some reason within February. Anyway, I digress. February, 2022, I wrote 18 out of the 28 days of the month for a writing percentage of 64.3%. Not too bad. I'm not mad at that. As long as I'm over 50%, I don't get too down on myself. In March, 2022, I wrote 16 out of the 31 days of the month for a writing percentage of 51.6%. And for April, 
2022, my birthday month, I wrote 12, which happens to be my birthday day out of the 30 months, 30 days rather within April for a shitty writing percentage of just 40% of the month. And some of you may ask, where's all the new writing? Why haven't we seen it? Why haven't we read it? He wrote 60% of the time in February, 50% of the time in March, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we haven't seen shit. But I promise you something is coming. I'm getting very close to the end on something, on a story that I finished writing the first draft, finished writing the second draft. I'm doing a pass through now. It's a short story, by the way. I'm doing a pass through now to adjust the the format in which I wrote the dialogue because I normally write the dialogue in a Juno Diaz like style where I don't necessarily after each and every sentence say, you know, reply Tony and, you know, use the quotation marks. I try to write it in a way where if you're paying attention to the story, you know who's speaking just based on the conversation and the tone. And, you know, there's not, you know, when there's more than two people within a scene or sometimes maybe more than three people within a scene, then I'll specify who just to make sure everybody's on the same page. But I don't follow that strict, you know, quotations around every piece of verbiage, as well as notating who said what. But within this story, I am writing it in that style just to play around with that style, which for me is a good short stories are a good place to do stuff like that, you know, experiment and mess around with different things while you're, you know, finding your quote unquote voice, if that is something that one can ever find. But whatever, I decided to write this story in that style when it comes specifically to dialogue. So I'm doing a pass through now of that specifically. And I did after the first draft, after the second draft, um, after that, I did a, a another pass through of just like going through it and filling in gaps where, you know, sometimes I'll write a scene. I want to keep going with the scene. And I know that, you know, a certain paragraph or two within the scene, I might have to like research a little bit or look up something. So I'll just put parentheses and say, come back to this and look up, you know, the origins of what this person is talking about here. So they can sound more informed, but I'll continue writing the scene. So like those things like that, I went back to, to fill in those like story gaps. And after the, I'm finished with the quotations, I think I have like a little mini to do list of stuff that I have to do uh, before I put it out. But one of the last things after finishing going through all the dialogue is running it through a program called Pro Writing Aid, which seems really cool so far. I've tr- I've used it within a couple scenes, but I'm not really ready to give a full breakdown on it and, and vouch for it completely. But it's definitely something that I'm going to try. I'm, I'm definitely going to use for this story and see how it goes. But what it is, it's like a digital editor where that works with Scrivener, by the way, which is writing my writing tool of choice that I've spoken about on this podcast at nauseum. So I'm not going to bore you with those details, but it works with Scrivener. And I, I think you can, you know, it'll work with like emails and Microsoft Word, etc. But for me specifically, I was excited that it works with Scrivener and you can open up Pro Writing Aid, the application, and then open up your Scrivener project within it and it loads up. Then what it does is like it'll pick up redundant sentences or words rather that you use like multiple times within a paragraph and it'll highlight it and then give you suggestions like maybe you want to change this word. It does spell checking. It does like sentence structure, like commas, and you missed the comma here, a colon works better there, et cetera, like stuff like that. So it's like 
digital pre-editing before sending it to an actual editor. And I heard about it on Joanna Penn's The Creative Pen Podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, that's how she uses it. And if it's good enough for her, it's definitely good enough for me to uh, give it a whirl. I could definitely use the, the help on the editing side. So more on that later. But that is like the last phase that I'm going to go through for this uh, specific short story before I put it on my website and create the audiobook for it and share it with you fine folks. But I'm especially excited for this one because I think after this short story, I have enough to move forward with putting together uh, my anthology that I wanted to to publish this year of short stories and I have a good little uh, pool of short stories to like choose from and see which ones are going to make the cut essentially. So definitely more on that as well. And that folks are my writing stats. This episode's writing tip comes from Derek Sivers. Derek Sivers is someone that I first heard, I believe on Tim Ferriss's web uh, podcast, the Tim Ferriss show. And he has an interesting background. He's a writer. Uh, he's also a musician. And back in the nineties, he started a company called CD baby, where it was essentially this website where he used to load his CDs and try to like sell them himself, like online. This is late nineties, 98, 99, you know, our early internet days. And it was working for him in terms of, you know, being able to sell his own music and some of his friends, which were also musicians asked if he could sell theirs. And he wound up like building this website to like over a hundred million dollars in sales and he wound up selling the company and the rest is history. But he was, just, he was an interesting guy, interesting uh, conversation. I liked his like energy and like outlook or like philosophy on life, quote unquote. So I started, started following him. I subscribed to his newsletter and this specific post that I'm going to share with you folks is from his website or is from his newsletter, but is on his website rather. And he has a section of his website where he breaks down books and writes like bullet point notes and like takeaways. And there were a bunch on here that I found interesting and definitely worth sharing. And these are his notes on a book called Writing Well by William Zinser. And this specific post, as always, I will link to in the episode notes for your reading and viewing pleasure. But here's a few of the bullets that I wanted to share. Establish a daily schedule and stick to it. That's definitely a across the board staple in words of wisdom that you hear from every writer worth their salt. Strip every sentence to its cleanest components. Clear our heads of clutter. Clear thinking becomes clear writing. The Elements of Style, a book every writer should read once a year. Now, The Elements of Style, written by Strunk and White, if I remember correctly, was a book that my freshman English teacher, shout out to Miss Gitlitz, who is in part responsible for me ever even thinking that I could write something that anyone on the planet would ever find worth reading. And I acknowledge her in the acknowledgement section of each of my books, both in Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way, and my first in the series time travel novel, Fractal. And I will do so in all books that I write moving forward. But she assigned us this book, which I still have to this day. It's a very thin, can't be more than 50 pages, 
very thin, small, gray book called The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. And it's very much so within that like second bullet point of stripping every sentence to its cleanest components. It's about getting rid of every single word you don't need to get your particular point across. Like, don't get too fancy. Don't use too many adverbs. Don't use adverbs at all, I think, is like rule of thumb. Things like when to use like an actual number, like the numbers, you know, ran out versus the word of the number ran out. Like if you're writing two o'clock, do you write T-W-O o'clock or do you write the number two o'clock? You know, like things like that. And it's definitely a book that I have revisited, but not once a year. But I'm going to heed that advice. Right in the first person is another bullet point here, which is something I actually struggle with um, in terms of point of view. I know that's like one of the the first things that you're supposed to establish as a writer. What point of view is this story being written in? Is it first person? Is it second person? Is it omniscient narrator, et cetera, et cetera. But the advice here is write in the first person, which is times that I've written in first person. It is, I think, the most natural way to write but with me i do like fractal i think it's in like first person slash omniscient narrator if that's even like a real thing but whatever that's the way i wrote that story and i noticed that with a lot of my stories i wind up writing i wind up writing the way i visualize the story going in a movie or tv show and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because it's you know i'm not writing screenplays i'm not writing actual movies but the stories that I do write, whether it's a short story, whether it's a novel, I always envision them in my mind playing out as movies. So I don't know. There's that. <laughs> Another bullet point takeaway here is if it amuses you in the act of writing, put it in. It can always be taken out later. And that's definitely true. I, I put too much emphasis or, or too much thought behind first drafts, I think. And it's something that I, I've been getting better at heeding the words of Ernest Hemingway who said the first draft of everything is shit and just countless writers who always say just get through the first draft just you know Joyce Carol Oates and Walter Mosley and Margaret Atwood uh, Neil Gaiman Stephen Pressfield Stephen King they all say just like bleed onto the page like just like literally rush through the first draft and get to the end just like get the ideas out just throw them out like literally doesn't have to make sense just fucking throw up on your page get through the fucking first draft get it out the way then you can go back and start actually writing but get the idea out with me there's some like or has been historically still is some definitely still have work to do on it but paralysis by analysis where i don't know like trying to make it perfect the first time around which i guess helps in minimizing the the editing and rewriting and shit like that after but it's like a double-edged sword right you don't want that becoming too much of the norm and then your output your body of work is non-existent but yeah i definitely agree with that point if it amuses you in the act of writing put it in it can always be taken out later another takeaway here is please yourself and you will also entertain the readers read everything aloud before letting it go into the world that's a big one i definitely do that next is your lead must capture the reader immediately and force him to keep reading it must cajole him with freshness or novelty or paradox or humor or surprise or with an unusual idea or an interesting fact or a question. So basically, capture your reader's attention. Take special care with the last sentence of each paragraph. 
it's the crucial springboard to the next paragraph and try to give that sentence an extra twist of humor or surprise. It's pretty good. And just a few more here that I wanted to share. A few more tips. And writes, are you summarizing because you think they're too dumb to get the point? That's a good one. Sometimes you underestimate the reader. You think that maybe you didn't do as good a job of like planting certain seeds. So you wind up oversharing instead of letting them connect the dots themselves, which is part of the fun of reading, right? Filling in the details of the landscape that the writer is creating for you. Oh, these next two kind of tie back to the whole content be behind that book, The Elements of Style by Strunk and White, which is most adjectives. The concept is already within the noun. So pronoun, a bit, a little, sort of, kind of, rather, quite, very, too, and pretty much cut all those words out. Like you don't have to say it was very cold. You can just say it was cold. Instead of saying something like, for example, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I like the blue one, but I like the red one a little more. You can cut out a little and still maintain 100% of the point that you're trying to get across with that sentence. I like the blue, but I like the red more. So you don't need a little. And alert the reader as soon as possible to any change in mood from the previous sentence by using words like but, yet, however, Nevertheless, still, and instead. <laughs> I like this one. I like this approach. It goes, uh, a different problem in a sentence. No, I'm sorry. A difficult problem in a sentence can be solved by simply getting rid of it. So he means like in terms of like story structure, if like you wrote something that it's not really working, it's not really like jiving with the paragraph or it's like a cool sounding sentence, which I know definitely has happened to me, a cool sounding sentence or piece of dialogue that you write and it's kind of like damn this person wouldn't say something like that and it doesn't really go with the story but i really like the way it sounds so i'm trying to like force it in it's like that's a, becoming a difficult problem just get rid of it and actually what i do with stuff like that like little like snippets and extras and stuff take it and put it in like a file of just like random whatever random thoughts and sentences and ideas to be used tbd in a different story and lastly, to write better than everybody else, you have to want to write better than everybody else. You must take an obsessive pride in the smallest details of your craft. Now, I don't know if I want to write better than everybody else. I'm kind of a more of a I'll do me, you do you. Write how you write, I'll write how I write kind of guy. But I 100% agree with the second piece, which is very Mamba mentality-esque of taking an obsessive pride in the smallest details of your craft. I'm definitely with that. And that, folks, was this episode's writing tip. Had a bunch of little tips within this writing tip from Derek Sivers and his notes on writing well by w William Zinzer. And I will link to in the episode notes for you guys to definitely check it out. And if you're not interested in, interested in that book specifically, I would still encourage you to check out Derek Sivers' site. He has a bunch of different books that he's broken down in a similar fashion, shared his notes on those books, and they're pretty insightful, so definitely check them out. What I've been reading. I've been reading 1984 by George Orwell, an absolute classic that I, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, 
had never read. And I'll do you one better. It's a book that I'm sure most folks have heard of. It's the type of book that permeated society and is just consistently relevant and referenced and within pop culture and so much so that I knew what the book was about without knowing what the book was about. Like never looking up, you know, what's the synopsis of this story or with the characters in it or like actual details of this specific actual story. But I knew just from it being so ubiquitous what it was about, if it makes sense. But yeah, it's it's one of those renowned classic books that was one that I actually did want to read. And I'm glad I finally did. It was written by George Orwell in 1949. And here is the official synopsis. It is 1984 and the world's three major powers, Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia are constantly at war. In Oceania, where the party is in power, the thought police unearth every act of dissent and Big Brother is always watching. Winston Smith, a dutiful citizen of Oceania, works for the Ministry of Truth as a propaganda writer who rewrites history to suit the needs of the authoritarian government. But when Winston falls in love with fellow worker Julia, they begin to question the very system they work for, placing them in immense danger. Pursuing their forbidden love affair, Winston plans a rebellion against the party in order to regain the freedom to shape his own future. But the ever watchful Big Brother will not tolerate opposition. And for those who speak up against the system or dare to think what the party does not want them to think, Room 101 awaits them. Now that's actually a really good synopsis, I think, or I thought rather. And you know what's actually really good as well that I'll link to in the episode notes? There is a video spark notes page that I found on YouTube, which do really good summaries and at least for me, like help synthesize what you've read and helps highlight things that you may have missed or or connections that you didn't see. And I saw the one uh, for 1984 and I went back and, and looked at for like other books that I, that I have read and, and it's pretty cool. There's some nice like visual aids that makes it a fun watch and they're not long videos. They're, you know, like eight to 10 minutes long. And I like doing that with movies as well. Like, like folks that do breakdowns, not necessarily like the ones that I do that are more like recaps and reviews and just like personal takeaways and things that resonated with me from movies. But folks that do actual Easter egg style breakdowns like uh, Stuckman um, or like New Rockstars. That's a dope channel for like movies and stuff too, where they'll literally watch the movie, then watch the movie frame by frame, literally frame by frame and pick out like they have videos of 101 easter eggs that you may have missed from the new matrix movie and they'll do like a half hour 45 minute video of like breakdowns of scenes and you know in the mirror of that's on the desk in the back of the room you see a reflection that's pointing to the same sign that was hanging in the oracle's kitchen in the first movie and that's foreshadowing that in the next scene the oracle is going to show up and but you know like sick shit like that (laughs) like really nerdy geeked out stuff like that but i find it really cool anyway this video spark notes is a pretty cool resource 
and I will link to it in the episode notes and for you guys to check out. But anyway, so much like the synopsis said, this is a story written in 1949 about 1984 and 1984 being this, you know, far away future. And it's about this totalitarian dictatorship that exists. And think about it from the mentality of George Orwell as a writer. This is the era of not too far or not too long before the era of Hitler, the era of Stalin. So he has those actual fascist totalitarian regimes as like a backdrop, which I'm sure aided his thought process in writing the story. So in this 1984 future, dystopian future, there's something called a telescreen in every single room of everywhere, in the street, in your house, in your kitchen, in your living room, in your bedroom. And it's like showing the pitfalls of like a surveillance state and, you know, technology when it's used for nefarious purposes. And basically nobody can say shit. Nobody can talk shit. There's hidden microphones all over the place in the street, everywhere, literally every single room of any place you ever go is either a telescreen or a hidden microphone. And so much so that if there's no telescreen visible, people are like, hey, where's the telescreen in this room? You know, it's weird that there's no telescreen. And it's that concept of Big Brother. Big Brother, aka the government, is always watching. And like I mentioned before, the how pervasive this story is, you know, there's terms from it, like Big Brother, that we've heard in movies and songs, in politics, just people say it as like nomenclature. And Orwellian, which became uh, a verb synonymous with like dystopian fucked up times. Orwellian being a play on the author's name, George Orwell. The story takes place in London where nobody has anything. Everybody has like tattered, raggedy clothes. Everybody's like on an even playing field. They work jobs that they don't like or care for. There's no freedoms. And the main character, Winston Smith, works for the Ministry of Truth, which is literally uh, what he does all day is rewrite history. Like he's, they're writing books in the new language of the time, which is newspeak, where even the freedom to uh, that language gives you to express yourself with many different words and, you know, colorful speech, even that is being controlled with the the advent of newspeak where most words aren't allowed and there's actually this really cool breakdown at the end of the book the appendix of the book that where orwell breaks down how newspeak works the origins of it how it came to be you know within this like fictionalized world but essentially like the words that are allowed are like the actual words and their opposites so let's say, for example, because I don't remember any specific examples, but the let's say the, the word hot is not allowed because it's, you know, could be misconstrued with like sex or like arousal or something like that. They'll say you can use the word cold. And if you want to say that something is hot, you would say uncold. Or if it's very hot, double uncold. That's the way like the structure of Newspeak works. And it's pretty fucking sick the path that he that he like details and takes to how big totalitarian governments the lengths to which they will go to to control their people china 
Mm, sorry. Bless me. But um, he's so he's at work. He falls for this girl that one day winds up slipping him a note. And the note says, I love you. And he's like in shock. He's like, what? What the fuck? He and her wind up slowly but surely, you know, saying like a word or two to each other in passing while they're walk by each other because you know there's like chibatos everywhere and again the telescreens and they can't be seen speaking to each other because that's another thing you're not allowed to like sleep with whoever you want to sleep with sex is just for procreation but they find a way to be together they devise this long winding plan to meet somewhere in the countryside where they don't think there are like any like telescreens and stuff and they wind up having this love affair and winston winds up renting a like second floor bedroom from this old antiques shop that he went into just to try to find things of of the past because again the party big brother literally rewrites history so things disappear that don't align with that new history so they're you know they're like on some north korea type shit of like telling their people yeah we're like the strongest superpower in the whole world that's why everybody hates us <laughs> so whenever something like that doesn't align you know everything gets burned and erased and rewritten etc but this guy winston he's like drawn to like things of the past because he's like this existence like doesn't sit well with him whenever he meets somebody that's like really old he's like do you ever remember when you were a kid can you tell me of like a, a song that you heard or you know just like tries to get information about like the actual past but anyway he winds up renting this like bedroom from the old man in the antique store because there's no telescreen in it and he winds up using it as a place to meet meet up with julia and within this world there is like rumors of like an opposition party you know people that are against the government but you know you can't trust anybody or like research it or you know so it's a predicament to try to find those like like-minded folks but him and julia are convinced that this other guy o'brien that they work with uh, but who's like a higher up he's like in management that he's part of the opposition party and he kind of like befriends them and invites them over to to his place and they're like, and he even tells them yeah you know i am with this opposition party and here i'm going to give you a book to read but you gotta hide it and this is the book that all of us read and it tells it tells you about like the real history the real past and you know it's going to be your first step in indoctrinating you and becoming part of our group whatever blah blah and winston is like over the moon happy he's like reading the book he's with julia back in this apartment that he rented and he's reading the book and it's like feeding him all the shit that he suspected and how big brother operates and what the opposition is etc etc and then after he's like finished reading the book the thought police as they're called break in to the apartment and it's revealed that the little old man from the antique store was really part of the party and there was no telescreen in the room but there was like an antique photo that behind it had a hidden microphone within it so they knew what was going on the entire time and that guy o'brien who was supposedly part of the opposition he was actually with the party as well and he got completely fucked. So Julia and Winston get taken. They get arrested. And the reference to Room 101, which again is something else that is like in the zeitgeist. And I've seen in other movies and 
um, in the Matrix, actually, I think references Room 101. And it's like synonymous with a room where, you know, bad shit happens and like torture, etc. But long story short, they get fucking brutally, brutally tortured and electrocuted and put a like a vice kind of thing on Winston's head with rats on the other side and threatened to let the rats go through this like flimsy little screen so they can attack and eat his eyeballs and he's like terrified of rats as is and he like breaks down and tells them every single thing that they want to know and blames julia for a lot of stuff tells them all the shit he knows about julia like on some takashi shit just like rats on everybody and their mother he's like completely completely broken man and o'brien who is part of the folks administering all the torture and stuff get him to eventually agree and understand that if the party says that two plus two equals five then that represents the truth the truth is whatever big brother and the party say the truth is so even thinking oh no i i know it's really four but i'll say it's really five that's not enough like you have to believe and understand that whatever they want the truth to be that is the truth the party is the truth and then ultimately they let them go they wind up going back to work after these you know days of being tortured and neither one is ever the same again they're completely broken loyal to the party shells of themselves people and there was one other thing that o'brien tells winston that resonated with me before winston like completely breaks he he tells o'brien he was like you did this to me you like lured me into this and you know you reduced me to this lowly state and o'brien tells him nah you did this to yourself you did it to yourself by setting yourself up against the party and he said this dope line which was everything that you're experiencing now was contained within the first moment that you decided to go against the party and i thought that was like a pretty ill and dark albeit dark way to think about it and i kind of liken it to how you can never control how somebody's going to react or overreact to your actions and even though it was like completely disproportionate the torture that you know they administered on on winston versus what he actually did which was you know harbor these ideas and you know, read a book it still definitely underscores that fact that you can't ever control how others are going to react to your actions but anyway folks that's my little recap and review of george orwell's 1984 i will link to it in the episode notes in case you guys want to check it out yourselves as well as that video spark notes summary that i mentioned that i also highly recommend 1984 by george orwell check it out this episode's free writing session piece is titled levels of reality i'll link to it directly in the episode notes we can also find it by navigating to sponsoraycom forward slash free writing and looking for the post on my website from december 11th 2018 talk about throwback and even more of a throwback i actually wrote this in 2015 but i just posted it to the website in 2018 anyway here's what i wrote let's see what type of shit i was on i wrote there are different levels of reality you know how they say that perception is reality that's one another level or layer if you will would be that intent is reality the true intent of one's actions or inactions 
sometimes shrouded in doubt, hesitation, fear, and or shame, lies how you really wanted to act, how you really wanted to be. That layer of reality that is known to you and often to you alone. The intent behind committing a crime usually translates into adding a degree or two to a sentence. Yet positive intent translates into a void of what could have been. How do we make it so that our positive intent becomes our reality? Let's focus on those resistant factors that don't allow our intent to permeate into the realm of perception. Take yourself out of the equation objectively and make your decisions and subsequently your actions echo the sentiment of your intent. Let's change ourselves in this way and in doing so, do our part in changing the world. Pretty lofty goal there, buddy. <laughs> um, I wrote that on Sunday, November 1st, 2015 at 10.50 a.m. And yo, I'm still sappy and optimistic in that way in positive good and changing the world etc regardless of how jaded by life one can feel i think it's important to maintain that idealistic hope but to break down a little bit the beginning parts of this i was wanting to or i seem to be playing with the idea uh, i seem to want to highlight how intent doesn't always translate into action into tangible practical action and at least for me i know that's that's has been true where you want to say something or you want to do something or you want someone to know that you feel a certain way but you don't actually say it or do the thing that would accomplish them knowing or something along those lines and it could be for a myriad of reasons it could be because you're shy it could be because you're emotionally closed out. It could be because you're angry about something, but don't know how to express it productively. Or it could be because you're not good at public speaking and communication. And it definitely sucks to be in that position where, like I wrote in this sentence, that layer of reality that is known to you and often to you alone, where you're like, fuck, I really meant this, this and that. But they think I meant that, that and this. And I try to tell them, but they didn't listen or... I was too busy arguing about that so i didn't get my real point across and now everything's all fucked or the moment's passed or etc 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 and that's definitely a sucky place to be in and i like this piece of how like the disconnect between when it, it's a negative intent it's like you can quantify it you can pinpoint it you can you know somebody has an intent to murder someone it's like murder in the first degree murder in the second degree etc just because of showing that intent and that thought process behind wanting to carry something negative out. But it's so much harder to highlight and pinpoint the intent behind wanting to do something positive. It's like you almost have to, yeah, I guess, like I go on to say a little bit later on, you, you kind of have to make your decisions and subsequently your actions echo the sentiments of your intent. You have to carry out that intent. You have to figure out a way to objectively recognize, okay, this is my intent. My intent in and of itself, although great, doesn't matter as much as the intents in action, which would be like the fulfilling of that intent. Interesting stuff there. At least I think. Definitely something to be mindful of. 
And that, folks, was my free writing session piece for this episode, Levels of Reality. Once again, I will link to it directly in the episode notes. Check it out. And that, folks, was episode number 207 of the Spun Today podcast. I hope you enjoyed this free writing session episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. And if you'd like to show that support, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do so, both free ways and unfree ways. See what I did there? You can cop some dope t-shirts from my website, fulfilled by Amazon, by the way. Shout out to free shipping. The weather's warming up. Maybe you want to check out a few of those. You can sign up to my free newsletter. You can buy a couple of my books, a bunch, a bunch of different ways, all of which I will highly, highly appreciate. Another great and free way you can help support this podcast is by rating it and reviewing it wherever it is that you listen. Anyway, folks, stick around for a couple more minutes so you can see which way best suits you for supporting this show. And until next time, I'll be wishing you well. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section. Where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other, which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full-length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped-up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube, 
or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Sponsor Day newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to sponsoraycom forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here, you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.